The Everyman Podcast. The Everyman Podcast. With <laughs> a very special guest this week. Grammy Award winning. He's an wow. inventor. He's an artist. He's a wizard. Musician. You may He's know right. him from a little band called Dream Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, putting together our Dream Theater podcast of Voltron here, Jordan Rudess. Jordan, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I like the introduction. I was trying to figure out which hat to wear while you were saying that. Do I grab a <laughs> you're, My, you're, uh, what do I what do I here? I know you're you're a you're man, man of many hats. Man of many hats. And uh you know, uh, like I said there, uh to kick it off and, and we had the pleasure of having, you know, Mr. Labrie on the pod a few weeks ago, uh talking about his solo album, which is great. If you all haven't listened to that yet, uh Shades of Grey, it's out there, it's great, excellent record. Yeah. And um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, you know, who, who really pays attention to the Grammys, I guess? You, you get defeated so many times, you're like, ah, they don't really, it's all corporate, it's this, it's that. And then next thing I know, I see a little notification. It's like, bloop, holy shit, Dream Theater won a Grammy. Like, finally. This is, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And I was, yeah, it's great. It's great. So, how does that feel? Congratulations, first of all. How is, how's that ride been for you? Awesome. You know, our career, my career has been a long ride. And I can remember when, you know, many years being in dream theater with the Grammys were so out of the question. It was almost like, you know, here we are having our career in our world. Then there's like that Grammy thing that we're just not part of. But at one point through the years, we were like, well, wait a minute, why aren't we part of that? So, you know, with a little bit of intention and a little bit of uh, direction, shall we say, we moved to become part of that. And then, you know, we, which led to our nominations. Uh, you know, this was like the third nomination, which ended up being a win. So, I mean, the reality is that it's an amazing thing to have dream theater and what we do be recognized on that level because well for one thing you know there's a lot of different awards there's, there's many ways musicians and entertainers can be can be accepted and given with the credit for what they do but the grammys is the one that everybody knows and you know say what you want about the grammys but it's the first thing out of anybody's mouth when they're talking about you it's the first thing on your resume it actually has meaning on that level because it's it's it opens doors and opportunities and gives a certain level of like automatic respect. I mean, it's kind of crazy, whatever, you know, that's why I say, say what you want, <laughs> but it, it is that. And the fact that we secured a Grammy for a song that is basically in 17, eight time is that's, you know, that's, awesome it's just kind of funny and it's you know very dream theater it is. and i hope that it provides an opening for all the other amazingly talented musicians that are out there doing some great music that doesn't usually get noticed so maybe the fact that they opened the door for us and gave us this will open up the world to, to another level for all all the amazing musicians that we know playing prog and prog metal and all these amazing styles that don't usually get recognized the way they should. It's, it is pretty amazing. And like you said, it, it almost lends kind of mainstream credibility uh, to what it is that you're doing. And, and I know, you know, I've been meeting a lot of people out here. I just moved to Texas and uh, people are like, Oh, what do you do? You know, what, what do you, what do you do uh, for fun? I'm like, Oh, you know, I have a podcast, my bro, Daryl. And you know, we've had, Grammy Award winning musicians. And when you say that, they're like, oh, 
really? You're like, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, that makes sense. You know? <laughs> and I think, you know, I've always been, um, you know, yes was my first musical love. You know, my, my dad is a musician and he loves you by the way. Um, and we've, I kind of grew up in that progressive world. And then as a young drummer, you know, I was always in these weird little musical bubbles, you know, where I'm like, no, you, what do you mean you don't know about King Crimson? You know, like this, this is, <laughs> this is a true genius right here, you know? And um, now progressive music has gotten so expansive and you have these newer mainstream groups like Chan or Polyphia, um, even Interval, like some of these instrumental groups, Animals as Leaders is another one where mm. that's bringing people into the, the swimming pool, if you will. And then when you start looking around, you're like, okay, well, who are the, like the, the who are the, the flagpoles of this? Who, who, are the, who are the big, the big wigs? And then it's like dream theater, you know, uh, between the buried and me, VT Bam is another, is another band that, you know, I hope eventually they get their moment uh, in the spotlight there at the Grammys, but there's all these great musicians and the, the progressive bubble is like expanding outward so much. It's like, it's everything is progressive now in the metal world. And you look at a band like even Meshuggah, you know, I talk about them as every chance I get. I don't know if you're a Meshuggah fan at all, Jordan, but um, they do some incredibly complicated rhythms. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's at a it's at another level of like what you would think people, will, the average listener wants to hear. But then they're top 100 on Billboard and uh, you have, you know, uh, all this music coming from all corners of the world. And uh, there's that kind of that that thread that goes through it. Um, you know, I was looking on your Instagram today and seeing you do that social challenge where you have other musicians playing with you. And it's like, you get to a certain level of talent on guitar and everyone plays like John Petrucci, you know, like at, at this point in, in life, he's so dynamic and he's like inspired, you know, 20, yeah. 25 years of guitar players, um, you know, right. you, you got guys right. that are like not even they don't even really know where they're getting it from. But it's like, oh, yeah, you're like on the dream theater tree, you know. Right. Right. No, that's amazing. It's interesting to hear your perspective about all that. I mean, for one thing, when you talk about the guitar world, that's I mean, I've been playing a lot more guitar over the past seven, eight months. I've kind of started to focus on it and playing every day. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, I'm discovering like not only the guitar, more about the guitarists I know, but everywhere I look, there's somebody else who plays the guitar really, really well. And that whole kind of like art form of the guitar has magnified to a point where there really are a lot of people who can play that instrument very well. Because I mean, rock and roll is kind of bred, you know, virtuoso guitarists. One reason being that, you know, the main instrument in 98% of rock bands is the guitar. So the guitarist has to be good. So it's kind of led us to this point where, yes, influenced by John Petrucci and some others trickling down YouTube videos, games where you can play the guitar, and, the, and it's just gotten to this high level. You have guys like Tosin Nabasi who are like from another planet playing He's the guitar. So you go and like, oh my God, what what the hell is going on? But there's a there's a lot of guys like that, I right? Mean, there's there's and you were just at Nam. I mean. I was the last name I was at was 2020 and it's like you can't you can't throw a, a bouncy ball without hitting 15 guys that can play everything that that John Petrucci has written or you know and then there's somebody playing you know Eddie Van Halen parts behind their head you know and they're 12 years old it's like 
I just posted a clip, a, a story. My dentist actually was just banging through the uh, glass prison. Uh, <laughs> That's as clean as a whistle. Like this guy play when he's not doing his dental work, he's back there. He's practicing his alternate picking and his stuff, and he's playing his ass off. I'm like, oh my god, amazing. <laughs> that's 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 wild now did you did you choose him because he was a dream theater fan or did he become a dream theater fan once he found out what you do uh i found him through instagram because he participated in a contest i was having with some of the visual uh, you know app stuff that i do and he did something really nice and i kind of found out that he was a guitarist and then i found out he was a dentist and that's a long story his name is steve today and for those who are interested he's a great dentist and he's a really great guitarist. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, awesome. That, that's perfect now <laughs> before we get too far into it, i wanted to tell a story uh about you know the first time daryl met you now jordan i we were talking about this before the pod i've been kind of floating around the dream theater camp and actually a lot of it i mean almost all of it is is kind of your doing uh when i was sick uh, i had a real bad heart disease i had just aged out i was terminal i had just aged out of the make-a-wish program and my doctor was like hey why don't you reach out to some people that you really look up to and see if maybe they'll meet you or whatever i'll help you out if you need to so i had you've always been you know pioneer on social media and you know into we'll get into all that but i'd actually reached out to your i found an email on your your website it was your webmaster and then he got me linked up to you and then you got me in touch with rick and then next thing i know you guys are all my boys and i I got blessed and and highly favored so about i guess two and a half years ago you guys were playing the tower theater and uh it was the first time we had met mike mangini to do a podcast and yes (laughs) <laughs> we did the podcast on on his on the bus and the couch back there, and uh, they were emailing us like, "Hey, just go around the side." And we come around the side, and I see you there. And I think you might have been with Zach Rossi. Shout out to Zach Rossi, great kid, uh, friend of the show, guest of the show. And um, yeah. now you guys are always cautious with with handshaking, rightfully so, because you're all that's your livelihood. You know, uh, it's. As a musician, I know it's you're always. I'm always worried about my hands, and I also know that generally in public, you guys do like a fist pump or whatever. Like you, you, you're not just shaking hands with everybody because you get people that are a little too excited. (laughs) Now, my friend Daryl here is a a, let's just say he's a giant of a man. He, he, former NFL player. If he wants to, like, even at my wedding, Jordan, he comes around the corner, he gives me a big hug, he picks me up. Like it doesn't matter if you want to go for if you if he wants to take you for a ride. Not much you can do about it. We so, need a close-up. We need a close-up of Daryl's hand now. In the yeah, broadcast. yeah. Put, put put your hand up in comparison to that that full yeah that full microphone. So I I, I see you. You're chilling. I'm like, hey, Jordan. Nice to see you again, Justin Vigil. This is my friend Daryl. We're here to meet with Mike. Daryl proceeds to go and give you a handshake, like he was trying to take the sword out of the stone. <laughs> And you were like, God, like you like pulled back and you were like, you're like, geez. And you actually like shook it. And I was like, in my, in that moment, like my life flashed for my eyes. I was like, this is it. We're done. Like we just broke Jordan Redessa's hand. He doesn't play anymore. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just ended this man's career. You know, Daryl's just excited. Like, how am I going to explain this to And then I'm thinking Rick's going to come kick my ass. Like what, you know, how am I going to explain this to, to big Rick? And, uh, <laughs> Luckily, I survived it just fine, but I was a little surprised at the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I felt horribly, though, afterwards, though. I was just like, oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> Good that that happened because now 
when I, before I shake somebody's hand, I'm always looking, especially if it's a fist pump. Cause if you see, they do the wind up thing. Yeah. Kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta come back with it. There. Yeah. I'm very cautious. Now, I mean, that kind of thing has happened here and there through my career. Actually, I remember one time I was online we had just starting a leg in Canada and uh, I was online ready to meet the fans. The first person on the line I walk up to, I'm not, you know, fully thinking about, you know, all this stuff yet. And he walks up to me and he goes like, slaps. I put out my hand. <laughs> he gives me this intense, like, you know, high yeah. five. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Broke me. <laughs> yeah, people. And, you know, as someone who's, and again, like, I was talking to my dad uh, on, on my way home before this podcast and, we were at score together and um, I was like, Hey, you know, remember that I was listening to Dr. Varium, the drive home. And I'm like, yeah, remember how great that concert was. You know, it was a big surprise, that whole thing. And to go from like that, that moment to like now the, the, the relationships that I've been able to build with you guys and, and getting to know you guys as, as people a little bit. Um, it's uh, as somebody who was in those lines, you know, doing the, the make the, the meet and greets and getting the whole thing signed. Like I know how much it means to people and, um, I know how excited people get. And also, you know, a lot of people, they plan their year around that, you know, like that's their, that's their thing. And, um, especially like I would see the same five people, you know, in the same front row with us every time, you know, multiple shows. And, uh, it's a good, it's a good problem to have, you know, enthusiastic fans. That's why you guys have had the career, the longevity that you have. Totally. No, it's all, that's good. I just, I appreciate that level of, you know, support. It always makes me feel like, wow, look what we're doing here. You know, we just have, we have real, you know, resonance with a lot of people and, and really creating something important to, uh, you know, to, to, to the folks. Yeah. And then, you, right. you know, you, you look around and <laughs> I, I will say this, that the female segment of the audience has grown over the years. Um, you know, it used to be maybe three total and now there's, you know, 25 to 30 uh and you know my, my i've brought my wife out to a couple and she's she's a dream theater fan now and but you got these guys like you know glass prison dark eternal night hell yeah hell yeah and then like spirit carries on comes on i look around and we're all crying you know like <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it just tough guys right yeah all of a sudden. right all of us yeah. in our black t-shirts and camo shorts you know it's uh speaking of uh of Audiences with energy, I got to tell you this, you know, story about Istanbul, Turkey, because uh, that's, you know, that's quite a place to play. The fans there are extremely passionate. And also, I should say that we just played there the last uh, the last show of this last tour uh, ended a couple weeks ago. And first of all, there had to be a quarter of the audience were female, which is interesting because when you go to these different countries, it's always a little bit different. But somehow... There's a lot of women who are into dream theater there, but that wasn't the uh, the main point of my story. The main point was the first time I ever played Istanbul, I was remembering that we got to a point, I think it was in, um, I think it was in Fatal Tragedy, that song, right? And uh, we get to this one, and all of a sudden when we got to an accent, Everybody in the audience simultaneously raised their hand like that, and I remember being at the keyboard, and I almost like, like 
backed off because I thought it was so coordinated between everybody and with such incredible force that I thought, oh my God, they're gonna rush the stage or something because it was it was really intense. Well, so everybody go back to that's uh, that's awesome. Buddy. And and they get they get they coordinate, you know, they get online like eh, I've seen it, you know, on the message boards. Um, message boards, I'm dating myself, but uh, yeah, it's, and I think also with that, like they, I think I love like something my wife and I like to do. We just, we'll put on, we have like a bunch of concert Blu-rays and DVDs and we'll like sit there, have a drink and just put a concert on. And I think international audiences consume that stuff and they see how, one audience did it or like there's one thing in a live album that particularly catches on and then they're, they're listening all the time. So it's like they, they respond with it, you know, when, when they get their opportunity. Um, but that's, I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be wild. How was, how was Europe for you guys? It was really great. It's, you know, it's been amazing to get out there and play again. Uh, and although, you know, a lot of the numbers aren't what they, what they, would have been if not for the world events that are going on still we looked out there every night and it was you know we felt great i mean it was you know it's just a good vibe i think everybody was even that much more into it because they were appreciating you know being there for the shows and we were appreciating being there for the shows and i feel like we had a really really tight you know well-formed set list that you know we were just delivering and felt that way so many of the nights it just kind of reached this point of almost like an ecstatic vibe of playing this music and these big epics of you from the top of the world and count of tuscany and ministry of lost souls and it was a real high you know and i could i felt my own energy kind of like raising and raising and i it was just fantastic yes you know I, i've said i've said this awesome. to, to to john and james at least a dozen times between the two of them my request is you guys do a tour where it's like six songs, seven songs, and it's just a change of seasons, six degrees, Octavarium, yeah. Count of Tuscany, View from the, and then out, you know, and then just boom, just just two hours of just epics. I think that would be uh, two hours, three songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that sounds about right for uh, for a Dream Theater show. Um, but I've noticed that you know. Um, you know, I've been, as you can see here, my, my Dream Theater tattoo, I, I proudly have here. I've been, you know, the, the, actually the way I found out about Dream Theater was going to see Yes uh, back in 2004. We so, yeah, I saw you guys at the Allentown Fairgrounds in uh, beautiful Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, also, I think you guys played in Atlantic City, too. I went to that as well. And okay. I, I remember being like, who's this band Dream Theater? And this was like, you know, Petrucci green hair arrow so it was like that's pretty cool you know and then of course i see you know as a drummer i see mike back there portnoy and i'm like well shit he's got he's got two drum sets like there's something going on here you know (laughs) (laughs) and then like and then you guys did that machine messiah cover and i was like whoa like what is this and then like i remember coming home and i i just i got awake and then you know six degrees and train of thought and then next thing you Um, know like that created going to see you guys open for yes. And then how, I mean, what's a, what was a 14 year old doing at a yes concert anyway in uh, 2004? That's, that's odd on its, on its face. But um, I wonder how many other people like 
that are like me out there that that saw you on that tour or, because now you guys are I don't know who you would open for on a tour unless it was like Metallica or Rush and you know that Rush is not really doing it anymore mm-hmm. unfortunately um but yeah. it really exposed you guys to to like a new audience and I just got obsessed with with the band um and uh I think you a lot of your fan base is that kind of musician focused you know thing but the songwriting has evolved over the years and like the things that I would gravitate towards as a 15 year old aspiring drummer you know now as somebody who (laughs) enjoys a nice uh pop song every now and then um there's a little bit of everything in there and you guys keep expanding it it's like every time a new record comes out you're you're like and don't take this the wrong way, but it's like you're distilling the dream theater essence into a tighter and tighter and tighter package. And it's like, you said, you know, winning a Grammy for that, for the, for the alien. And you're like, you listen to that song and it's like, I hear it. I hear it played on Sirius all the time. You know, I was in, I was in a record store and, the, and it was playing. Um, and it's like, you finally got to that sweet spot of like, and I think also the music scene has caught up to what you guys are doing. Like I said, you got these bands like Animals as Leaders, Between the Barry to Me, Polyphia, all this stuff, where yeah. it, that's palatable all of a sudden. And then it's like, well, if you like this, check out these guys. And it's like, holy right. shit, you know? Like all the bands you just pointed out are all instrumental. Right. So Dream Theater, certainly having vocals, makes us appeal to right. a wider as vocals do, you know? But that, that that right there, instrumental music. Like, can you remember a time where instrumental music, where there was that many top no. level working instrumental bands? No, it's pretty incredible. Considering, in many ways, it's still a small scene. But for those of us who are in the know, I mean, we know that it's vibrant. There's a lot. There's a ton of stuff going on. All you have to do is look. Yeah. You know. And, and some of these, again, like you, you were just at NAMM, some of these these young musicians that are out there are just absolutely wild. And one of the things I wanted to discuss with you is, uh, you know, is kind of your role as an innovator. And again, as long as I can remember, um, you've always been like the guy that had something first. Like my one of my first memories of you is, you know, I'm a I'm a collector. And I get, I, I love having physical copies of stuff, records, tapes. I'm buying cassettes right now, VHS. I'm just like, I'm just worried um, things are going to get lost and I want to have like, you know, physical <laughs> copies of stuff. Yeah, and, right. And uh, I've been looking for like Dream Theater tapes and there's actually a record store here. It's the largest record store in the country. It's incredible. Next time you're in Dallas, look up Josie's. Uh, I'm sure you wow. enjoy it. It's huge, huge. It's like a, like a, the size of a Best Buy and it's all vinyl. Um oh. But seeing you on the on the live scenes from New York DVD, and how hot that crowd was, and all the the you know the epic scale of that record. But I remember seeing you playing. I think at the time you were playing a Kurtzwall, and you had that ribbon, uh, touch sensitive ribbon. And this is like on the Kurtzwall, yeah, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. I mean, it was uh-huh. twenty two years ago, basically. And like I had never at the time, I had never seen like a touch interface keyboard and you're like doing your solos and you're modulating the pitch because obviously you get the wheel and everybody understands that. But then, you know, Octavarium comes out and it's like, what is this sound that I'm hearing at the beginning of Octavarium? And it's like, oh, it's the continuum board. And you're like, what the fuck is a continuum board? And there you are like 
you know, with this pressure sensitive thing. And then you yeah. took it to the next level and you started making your own apps. And I remember when MorphWiz came out, my nieces were just born and we were like, I was trying to expose them to like as infants, musical stuff. And yeah. I, I got that on the iPad and I plopped them down in front of that. And they were just, I mean, they were eight months old. They were mesmerized, you know? Wow. And then they, they still like, you know, as they got older, I've always kept it on my phone. And now I know you've got the whole wizard toolkit now, but uh, seeing like infants pick that up and play with it. And then somebody like you, and then even, even then you started using like, it was an iPod touch, I think at the time, then you got the iPad. And like, I remember people being like, Oh, that's what is this? This is bananas. Fast forward to 2022. How many guitarists that are touring are using completely digital interfaces, MIDI interfaces, uh, MIDI, you know, like the, I mean, even John has the, uh, the guitar plugins that are all virtual, um, and, and all the apps that you've developed. And you were like, if there was somebody else that was doing it before you, I, I would love to know who it is, but what, what made you kind of want to innovate? Was it just like you were trying to find something that you didn't have? And so you had to make it like, what made you do that? And how did you kind of start that app developer? process well okay so um first of all i appreciate your kind of broad knowledge of the you know the dream theater and even my personal journey and all that's pretty cool to Thank recap you. with your perspective and and you know all the years focused on it so thank you for that um so it all really started for me that part of my journey when i discovered the synthesizer right some friends just to recap a little bit of my path so when i was like 17 or something like that like some friends from high school they uh, literally brought over an, one of the uh, moog it was a sonic 5 synthesizer to my house because they knew that you know i'd be interested in it and i'd never seen anything quite like it they brought it over they came to my front door of my my family house my mother answered the door my mother who was the one driving me back and forth to juilliard you know the classical music school and she i think she saw that and she almost closed the door on them but um they kind of like forcibly came in with this keyboard went to my bedroom we plugged it in i put on headphones in the bed and I moved a couple of knobs, like the filter knob, the synthesizer. I mean, I'm like playing a key and doing this with the knob. I'm going, oh my God. Okay, so things are really changing here. And then I'm moving, like playing a note and changing the pitch. You don't do that on a piano. So that was like a real awakening for me to, to have that experience. And then I had my, my sights really set on getting a mini Moog. I really wanted a mini Moog. That was the next kind of thing. And I had pictures of like Rick Wakeman with his mini Moog. And I was listening to like Patrick Moraz playing Refugee. And I knew I wanted this instrument so bad. So I convinced my my parents who, who asked my, my uncle at the time who bought me a mini Moog. And so getting into that world of electronics, it was really like a different part of my brain was being tapped to be able to, harness these sounds and kind of like this what's called say continuous expression like of turning a knob and having the sound change because that was in the day when like a lot of classical musicians and people were saying oh the synthesizer the keyboard synthesizers they're not expressive they're not dynamic you can only play like one velocity on them and to me that never made that argument never made sense even back then they tell that to because rick wakeman 
although the mechanism of the key didn't necessarily do anything velocity-wise, you had all these amazing knobs. You can constantly, I would play the mini mode and have one hand always on the knobs and the other hand on the key. So it's always changing. So I became involved with the manufacturing side of the business because I, back in the day, about 35 years ago, I got a job with Korg as a product specialist. And I learned a lot about synthesizers. I got to contribute ideas and stuff to the cause. And from there, I went on to work a bit with Kurzweil, the kind of keyboard that you saw a long time ago. And again, I started to understand what it was like to make an instrument, what kind of thinking and engineering and software goes into it. But moving forward after that, and after my career started to happen, you know, with Dixie Dregs and Liquid Tension, and then of course Dream Theater, I had discovered um, the first like iPhones, I guess it was about 13, 14 years ago now. And I, I put my hand on it. And although it didn't make any good sounds or have any good visuals back in the day, I had, I had something in my head, like I, I thought by placing my fingers down on the surface and moving them kind of in different directions, I thought, wow, like you could do like amazing things with changing pitch of one and making the other one go in a different direction or moving the filter or the panning with one, you know, like have all these independent kinds of motions. That was, that's what was going on in my head. So I reached out to one of the early developers who was doing something musical that I thought, even though it was kind of primitive in those days, I thought I can work with this guy. Let me ask him if he wants to kind of follow my vision forward. So that year is the year I worked with this guy. His name is Kevin Chartier and we released Morphwiz. And it was also the year that the Billboard magazine had best music app award. So Morphwiz won the best music app and Morphwiz which was amazing, but Morphwiz was all about taking this vision I had, not only for sound and having like pitch and control kind of independent to the fingers, but I also have always had this feeling for um, combining the world of visuals and sound together. It's always been very important to me because in my head, I really kind of see them as the same thing. So what we did is we assigned different graphic icons to different audio waveforms. And as you move your finger on this vertical axis, the sound would morph through different waveforms and the visual would morph through these uh, kind of icon repre representations of the waveforms. And it was all independent. So that started my whole thing. And, and winning that award gave me the kind of the reach and the notoriety in that world to keep on playing the game, which is amazing. Because after that, I came out with SampleWiz, which was a very popular app as well. And from there, it's kind of, you know, I've been loving this kind of like being involved with developers. Not everything comes out under Wisdom Music. Some things I do in partnership with other companies. Like this year, I did something with a company called Blias out of France. We made SampleWiz 2, which is amazing. If people haven't checked that out, it's an iOS app for iPad, iPhones. I worked with another French company called Fingerlab, uh, and we did an app called Polywave, which lets you draw your own waveforms with your finger on the screen and then put waveforms kind of in order. So when you play a note, it'll go through the cycle of waveforms. Lots of cool stuff, you know, going on. Also, in the visual world, I've been working on that too. I have an app called Vivim, like Rhythm, but with a V, working with a German developer. And it's an awesome kind of like, it's like a music visualizer, kind of out of the school of thought with the old Windows uh, visualizers, but it's highly controllable so as a as an artist 
creating visuals, you're not only just saying, okay, just start, you know, and just play whatever. You're going in there and you can have LFOs and you can have control and you can put them on MIDI sliders. And, you know, we're kind of opening up the world of performance visualization. So that's something we're kind of really focusing on to bring to another level now to, re to release. And, um, and of course, my biggest app these days, uh, which is doing very, very well, is, uh, is GeoShred. GeoShred is an application that was born out of a partnership with Stanford University. Uh, my partner, Julius Smith, was the, one of the inventors of physical modeling and his team. Uh, are just amazing guys working together on, you know, the business and the iOS development and the physical modeling. Uh, and they're called Moforte. They're great guys. And so we have this app that is popular throughout the world. It's an amazing success in India where they have Carnatic music and they're very conscious of pitch bending because GeoShred has this very intelligent, cool pitch bending, which lets you almost do like what I call the Steve Vai kind of thing, which is like these amazing pitch bends, but they're kind of like, perfectly in tune so you can slide and then you know this broad slide to a note it's in tune and then vibrato it and just go to another note and it's in tune when you reach the, the destination and so my you know my world of creating apps is something that i'm so passionate about i love it and uh i'm just going to continue doing it because it's i just i love the idea that technology can offer new ways of expression i'm not that concerned with the with the nature of the actual sounds because we we're at a point now with samplers and all that stuff where basically we can we can like harness any kind of sound we want but how do you control the sound that's how do you make it yet more expressive more intuitive how do you incorporate all your senses your visual you know your touch the haptic thing to just make an experience that connects the music more to who we are as people that's kind of like where i'm coming from and what really excites me about the whole thing man that is that is so cool to hear hear you kind of walk through it and i mean you, you talk about samples like you know in in drummer world you know, the sample thing has always been like the kick drum sample and like trying to get that perfect kick drum sample if you're using a trigger live. And I, I was, uh, I, I'm of, of the opinion that, you know, you still have to play them. You still have to do the mechanics, you know, triggers aren't cheating. Um, it, it, it's really in service of, of the music, but you know, I've got this roadcaster, uh, console here and it's got a built-in sampler. Like I can, in real time, I could take what you just said and record it, assign it to a pad and pitch shift it and make you sound like a Decepticon if I wanted to. And yeah, yeah totally. And that, and that for, like I said, with the combination of YouTube and all this stuff and these apps that are affordable, I mean, look at something like, um, Antares Autotune, you know, like when that first came out, it was a, $800 plugin that you needed to have a full version of Pro Tools to run. And then in order to run a full version of Pro Tools, you had to have this powerful PC or, or Apple computer. And now everybody has an iPhone, you know, everybody's kids have iPads and like the little Fisher price piano has been replaced by these incredibly powerful devices. And it's like, I, we've seen it go from like, oh, that's that's cute. He's over there with his like, because I again, like you know, I'm a long time message board troll, and I remember seeing people be like, oh, this is stupid, like it's dinky. He's using a headphone adapter to get, and it's like, well, look at it now. Like I don't think anybody's <laughs> laughing now, <laughs> you know, and like, 
you hear uh, you hear it on the records and you see it on tour um it's yeah. it's gone it's it's yeah. so cool to see it happen like before our eyes you know that every night on the past dream theater tour i play this cello solo it's not on cello it's on geo shred but it's in the middle of a view from the top of the world the title track mm-hmm. of our new album breaks down to where it's just John Bertucci and I playing. He's playing the guitar, I'm playing Geo Shred, and I basically play the theme, and I think it sounds, it's, it's basically a physical model cello sound. So it's probably of all my keyboards and software in the studio and everything, this cello sound on Geo Shred is the best solo cello sound that you can have in the digital world. And it's just really fun and it's really dynamic to play, very expressive. Because in the GeoShred surface, you can have all these dynamics. Every note is a note area, so you can basically start at the bottom of the note area and just fade it in and touch different places in that window and you get all this really organic, very natural kind of like response. I know De- I was showing Daryl your apps earlier today. I think he's already downloaded GeoShred. He's over there GeoShredding at NFL Films. <laughs> well, he's I mean, Geo- like, <laughs> for me, it's when I when I hear you talk about the visualization portion of it, I'm a I'm a producer at here at NFL Films, and we're all about visuals, but we're also all about sound. So um, I, I had the... I, I say, I, I say you bless me today, just Spotify, just going on and, you know, listening to, you know, Rockestra and some of your inside tracks. And like, I'm listening to this all day and I'm like, if we had this on some of our features, it's <laughs> like, it's like getting on a pirate ship and just going to take siege to someone. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That thanks, man. You know, that Rockestra album, that was an album that I produced for universal and the purpose of that album, it's on the universal publishing page. So anybody who can, can sign up to universal and, and license that music it's made for tv it's made for film mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. license. i've done i'm now working on the third one of those collections for universal this one this latest one's more of a uh, thematic piano and orchestra based uh, album doesn't have a name yet we're not there yet but uh no that's been a good that that side of what i do has been really kind of fun that's awesome that's awesome yeah that uh that really got me going today for sure now, one of the things I'm just curious about, just because I have the opportunity to ask it, like, was there any gear that you've tried out that, you know, like you were really committed to it at the time that in hindsight, you're like, nah, maybe that was, well, maybe that was a stinker. Is there anything that you like you, you're not into in hindsight? Or I don't need to go into saying like particular names of products. Right. I just mean, a, you know, like an idea. You know, because I'm kind of, I play this role on kind of, I guess, the cutting edge of, you know, of technology and musical expression. People kind of come to me because they want me to experience what they're creating and to, you know, play it, but also hopefully keep spreading the word about the stuff. And it is my pleasure to check out, you know, any like new development in music technology. I just, I'm passionate about it. I love it. But sometimes you get something that, you know, is really kind of a cool idea, but it doesn't you know, there's only so much time in the day and maybe it doesn't totally fit with my, you know, my thinking. And there's definitely devices and musical instruments that have come my way. I go, I play it, I enjoy it, it's great, but then I don't play it anymore because, you know, I want to focus on the things that really are important to me. Um, So, yeah, I mean, because I'm only, and sometimes it's not even that they're, they're, 
not great instruments. Sometimes it's more that I'm one guy, so I kind of have to pick what do I want to focus on. Right. But if something great comes along, you know, like when a continuum came along, that was a groundbreaking instrument. I'm going to play that. I, w- I, mean, I that. wanted one of those so bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, and, and even the continuum, I don't play all the time and it's sitting in my studio, but I cherish the thing and I know how important it is to the picture of like instrument. Everybody looks at that. And that was like an amazing instrument. You know, there's been a lot of great things that I'm not playing all the time, but I have a lot of respect for. I think are wonderful. Like the instrument, Roger Lynn's expressive controller, which is an incredible instrument. Beautiful. He's done a great job on that. I'm not playing it all the time. I have one because can't do everything um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of like the nature of what you know that what that is and how i kind of inter- interface with it all now your your rig now again throw back to dr Barium, i was hoping that that whole analog synthesizer rig was going to be like your new thing and we would just oh, get to a certain point where the whole friggin' stage was uh switches and wires i mean daryl he had <clears throat> i'll have to send you the video I mean, it had to have been t- ten feet tall. I don't know if it was on a riser or what. Uh, yeah, please, right please, here. please show me. I'll show you. Please show I'll us. Show you. We'll go into my uh, into my chamber here. Show you what you're remembering. Let me turn on the light. Probably, oh, I'm probably spooking you with uh, with my uh, visual yeah, memory good. of uh, of so your This is the rigs. piece that you're remembering. Yes. There. Wow. <laughs> oh, look at that shit. Covered by, it's covered by some boxes now because. It's a whole thing, you know, with the keyboard, oh, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah, this thing is was monstrous, and it's in this big case also. You know, the whole thing is kind of like in there. But I walked in one day, like, while the crew were setting this thing up. I think we were doing, like, our Pink Floyd uh, Dark Side of the Moon thing. And I watched them pick up this, like, I don't know, 350, 400-pound thing. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't need that. I can make my sounds a different way. <laughs> I was being gentle on the guys. But yeah. my keyboard world here, let's see if I can show you a little bit of that. If I can flip this thing around, if I can figure it out. Well, I can do it this way. So go. I've got a rack of, you know, on the wall, Maddie, our head tech, put a whole bunch of hooks on the wall, and I can have some keyboards here, you know. It's wow. nice fun things then i got my main well i got my continuum and stuff oh there it is nice there it is that just the continuum this is a roly loomy board is a seaboard here i've got a roly seaboard oh that's awesome yeah so over in this area well i've got lighting and stuff like that for my streams but if i pop in here so then i've got my chronos which you know is the main keyboard that i live and some other korg goodies and this is a nautilus which is the uh which is the latest kind of chord keyboard that they are very into my talking about because it's nice their newest thing and then of course the nicest instrument in the room is the steinlight piano mm-hmm. that uh, you know it's got a awesome That's awesome. <laughs> that was 
Thank you for that. that Thank was, you. That was amazing. That's, that's what this is about. The, the moments that that happen uh, organically. That was beautiful. Thank yeah, you, yeah, Jordan. yeah. So, um, yeah, and then you know, I'm doing like, and then I got some guitars. Of course, John Petrucci has you uh, have to graced me with some of his guitars and the original Seaboard that came out. An old Moog here, another Korg thing, and a nice PRS. Then, that, then over here, I got these wonderful acoustic panels by PSY. Uh, that are they light up? You can have them kind of light up. Really? Color. Whoa! I need to right. get some panels for my 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 studio here. The PSY, you yeah. say? They're these are awesome. PSY, they're really wonderful. <laughs> I've got an app that controls the uh, the panels, and then this instrument here, the old Fender Rhodes. Actually, this is <clears throat> this is a Fender Rhodes, like the bass kind that the uh, that the keyboardist and the Doras used to play bass. And the way that I got this was interesting. I was at a party in California uh, at a at a friend of mine that we worked with back then, and and one of the and after I played the piano at, at the guy's house, and this one guest said, "You know what? I've got to go back to my house because I want to get something for you." So he goes back to his house and he brings me this. He comes wow. in. And he can't and he turns out that he's Harold Rhodes' son, the inventor's wow. son. He heard me play, and he was really inspired to give me this. He was like, "This is my. This has been in my, my father's basement. It's one of the original Bender Rhodes basses, and I want you to have it." So I was very touched by that. That was oh, so. Oh wow, awesome. that's amazing. So I always. I don't have. That, I don't have that many like vintagey, really super vintage things. You but, have one of those Taurus fo uh, foot keyboards. Ah, uh, that's one of the. That's one of the instruments I had first, the Taurus bass pedals but i so i don't have and have them anymore i sadly sold them along the way and you know so that was i did have it this one down here this is an old i think 1963 Wurlitzer uh electric piano it's got a very nice kind of vibe on it Love it. And then, uh, of course, my uh, Minimo, which uh, this is <laughs> original 1973 Minimo. This was this was not the original one that I had, but it's um, Minimo that my friend Eric Norlander uh, actually spots these things in the world and buys them and gets them reworked and uh, fixes them up. And he saw this one and he said, "Jordan, this one is the one that you got to get because this is like." Perfect. It's just got the best sound. Isn't, isn't there only like a handful of people that are around like refurbishing those? Like the, because there's like something with the circuits, it's like not easy. There's, uh, yeah, uh, there's only a couple of, spe you know, there's a few specialists throughout the country that do this kind of work. Um, so I had mine done in uh, L.A. Uh, a nice guy named Rob fixed it up for me really well at his studio and it's awesome but you know these days i've been playing a lot more guitar so i've been rocking this uh this oh strand. my gosh yeah yeah i wanted You're to on social doing that like one-handed it yeah. blew my mind my mind just exploded it was crazy <laughs> i'm playing like i'm trying to do the tapping thing kind of one-handed on the guitar do you know uh <laughs> that he goes by gabriel guardian you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been in touch with him. He also plays really well with one hand on the guitar and one hand on the keyboard. He's, he's the first time I had seen somebody with a guitar where they had it, like, painted like a piano. You know, like the, the fretboard. Okay. Oh, with cool. a, You know, and then uh, this guy also, shout out to Ben Cohen from Power Glove. Uh, I know oh, he, he's awesome, Yeah, too. Ben's great, and uh, he's been on the show. He's a friend of mine. 
Um, oh, yeah. That's, he, awesome. uh, he, that's how I found out about Gabriel. And then I saw him, and I'm like, oh, man, this guy's killing it. And the next thing I know, it's like, oh, I guess Jordan's getting back into guitar. And I had, I had seen you playing a video years ago. I don't know how old it was. And you were just doing like, it was like a little solo that you were doing. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't realize he played guitar. And then it's like, well, of course he, of course he could, he has the skill set to do that. But what was the, what was the, I mean, what it was dream theater going double guitar. What's the deal here? Why? Uh, what's with guitar all of a sudden? Yeah. Right. Good question. So I was looking around, kind of looking at the guitars that John had graced me with through the years, you know, just like, Hey Jordan, you know, I know you like to, play a little guitar so he has a guitar so um you know but uh, the reality was i played guitar maybe two or three days a year you know i think one of the days back in the day back in the day was when my keyboard broke during a liquid tension show and i picked up the guitar and actually got filmed because i uh, i got tired of talking to the japanese engineers in the back of the club you know alley about how to get my keyboard working i just went on stage i said john give me your guitar and then, you know, he went over and played the Chapman stick. Tony Levin moved to bass, and I, you know, got captured basically playing some pretty mediocre guitar because I had, you know, really never played. But um, but go back about seven, eight months now, and I just, you know, I've been – I looked down at my guitars one day, and I was like, you know what? I really want to get this together. This is, this is something that I should do. So I've been playing basically every day for uh, the past eight months. Yeah. Uh, and learning, you know, learning a lot. And just one of the great things about it is like meeting all these new friends, all these guitar players. Some, some of which are, you know, friends that I that I had already that I hit up for a lesson or whatever. And others are people I've been finding out about that have just kind of come into my world while I've been on this journey. So it's been awesome because I'm just expanding my world. You know, I'm a fairly social person, so I. Just, been expanding my world and meeting new people and have new relationships and you know interactions and it's all really really fun and getting better at the guitar well i would imagine you know hanging around john petrucci probably not the worst person to be around if you're trying to pick up a thing or two on guitar uh no no he i I study (laughs) you know what he does on the guitar certainly i mean i don't want to bother john too much with my guitar situation because he's john petrucci you know i can ask (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can ask other people about it, but he's very gracious. He, you know, he's, he's handles it, uh, you know, in a really sweet way and, you know, doesn't get pissed at me for wanting to play the guitar. And he'll show, he'll show me some cool things. You know, I always, whenever I have a question, he'll always answer me and show me, you know, show me what it is. Uh, although we don't spend a whole lot of time on that. We got other, we have other business together. Yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, just having that re- those resources of, of being able to, to call upon, you know, I, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I've been kind of in a musical transition period where, you know, I, sp- I spent so much time drumming and I always dabbled with guitar and, and for a while I was, that was my main thing. And then I got, you know, sucked back into drumming and, you know, it's like, do I really, like, I, I you get your chops to a certain point where it's like, I'm like two weeks away from any like serious gig if I really, you know, needed to. <laughs> And it's like, maybe, maybe now's the time to, to focus. And it's like, I'm out here in Texas. I'm listening to country music, I, you know, the land of Stevie Ray Vaughan and Pantera. And it's like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling a little certain way about, uh, about picking up guitar again. And I think a Petrucci may be in my, uh, maybe in my sights. <laughs> Hit him up for a lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he will. I'm sure hey, he Jordan, will. Does, does anyone like come to you, like, you know, in the group then they say, Hey, you know, can you uh, show me how to get on the keys at all? Do they, uh, 
wanting the lessons from you? Like, no, no, but this, no, nobody wants to play. I mean, yeah, nobody has. They're not. They're focusing on their own instruments. Mangini right. plays right. Well, he uh, he's got a little keyboard sometimes that backed by his uh, area, but you know he's not really a keyboard player. Yeah, he'll poke around at it. Nice. Well, that's you know, it's like uh, the eighty Chicago's Bear, Chicago Bears defense. It's like, oh well, who do you want to ask for their s- skill set here? Like you've got the the all star of all all stars uh, together in one one spot, you know, and then, then you got James right. in the middle there holding it all together. So I could see, right, right. I could see that being fun. Mm-hmm. Totally. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see John Myung is like actually like a the best saxophone player in the world or something. Like one day he's going to pull, pull something wild out and, yeah, and right. shock us all. He started with John Myung has played cello in his past, maybe a little violin. Uh, I was just remembering that because I was listening to a podcast he was speaking on, but that's before he played those before the bass. Really, and also he played a little piano. Okay, yeah. His That's uh, cool. his. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Jordan, but his he's got that progressive concepts instructional, uh, from like mid '90s, and it's like he's like so he's so chill. Like it's hard to find it. I think it was a Yamaha uh, VHS, oh, and wow. and you should look it up on YouTube. And he's like, all right, and uh, we're just gonna go ahead. And he's like, like, and you're like, <laughs> I'm like, what, what, dude? You know, like it's he's so good. He's so good, and like any time I've ever been around, you know, before a show or after a show, it's like, hey, he's over there practicing. It's like, no, he really is, like always practicing. It's, it's always he's always the first one on the side of the stage, warming up, you know, doing his things. He's a serious practicer. Yeah, forms, forms like you Very. would believe. So yeah. you know, the, the real reason we got got together to do this after we've had this great conversation is you've got a solo tour uh, that you you've already started. You've had a few dates. We were talking before we started recording. Um, on the West Coast, you're hitting you're hitting everywhere. I know you'll be in uh, our neck of the woods here at the end of the month. I'm going to try and make it down to Austin to see you. Um, Ooh, what is the the genesis of this? Because I know you had kind of done some evening with piano type things in the past, and then I know you did the cruise to the edge, and you were doing a little bit there. Like, are, is there a solo album in the works, or w- what's going on here with the solo tour? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I love to do, it's very important to me, is to do solo shows because, as you guys know so well, that I do a lot of different kinds of music besides dream theater, and I have quite a kind of a journey from being a child playing classical music to what I do now. So the solo shows are a great outlet for me to uh, express myself and do my thing. And not only these days, not only like play the piano, but also show my other things that I do. Like, so this is a perfect outlet, and when I have time, I do them. There's no solo album that's, you know, that's about to be released or anything like that. It's not so much about that. It's about me going out and doing my thing. So um, I was, the last time I went out, I was doing like a Bach to Rock thing Mm -hmm. where I'd really talk people through my experience from being a young kid and everything that happened along the way. And although this is not a quote-unquote Bach to rock thing per se it's still very much looking at my journey I like to take people through through what I do I do start out and I play some classical music usually some Bach or something like that and during the night I'll play something like that I used to play when I had to support myself in the hotels and you know some song from a movie or Broadway show and you know and now I'm also including some guitar playing in it I've, I've been playing a song on the guitar 
Um, and I've got this awesome application that I've been wor working with this great company uh, called Moises, M-O-I-S-E-S. -E it does this incredible track separation. So what you can do is you can take any audio file, basically load it onto Moises, and it, and it brings back completely separate tracks of like Whoa. and guitar and bass. If you got an iPhone or an Android, you can look it up, M-O-I-S-E-S. And you just feed it, feed it whatever audio file you want. Next thing you know, it's giving you like the separate tracks of stuff as if you have access to the mix. So what I've been doing in the show is I'll have a little jam with John Anderson. We'll do a little Your Song with Elton John. Just, you know, really just having fun and kind of showing the magic that I can do with technology. Because so I love playing, like accompanying these singers on the piano. So that's been really fun. And the other thing that's been really special about these shows is that together with Aaron Boshbu, who you might remember who did some of the orchestrations for us and conducted the orchestra and Breaking the Fourth Wall, did some octavarium stuff. He and I put together this 15 minute dream theater instrumental medley, a new one that I play on piano. And uh, I'm premiering that, which I will record one of these days and get it out there. Um, but I'm really excited about that. It goes through, it's got a lot of cool dream theater sections in there and kind of banging through them. It's really, really fun. So it's a night of, uh, and I play Geo Shred as well, our rocks and blues, you know, towards the end. Um, so it has a little bit of all the different stuff that I do. It touches on, you know, many of the things that I do. Um, and it's a great time. It's really fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I got about 22 shows coming up, I think, uh, throughout the end of June into July, the very beginning of August, before Dream Theater goes back to Asia and plays at the, uh, what is it, like the Download Festival oh, yeah. or something? Yeah. Some so, big names yeah, on that, that I saw. Cool. That's that's really cool. So, yeah. it's, so it sounds like if you're a Dream Theater faithful, you know, you're a guy like me who's, uh, you know, knows it all about dream theater you'd, you'd have a good time or if you're if you're a casual and you're just looking for a good show it sounds like uh you, you hit everybody there yeah I, I think that it's uh you know musically very diverse and also i do uh you know entertain the crowd with some stories and i mean i'm not rick wakeman uh, who is a professional television host or whatever, but, uh, you know, I got some good stories and we have a lot of fun and there's a lot of interaction. There's even a part where I've been giving a little rhythm lesson to the crowd in 11-8. You teach so them how to clap on time? You teach them how to clap on time and encourage them that if they like odd meters, like 11, 17, 23, whatever, that maybe there's a chance for them in the music business. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I grew up, I grew up playing music in the church. You know, my father was a pastor and he, he was always uh, leading worship there at uh, various churches. And I, I think my, my first knowledge of polyrhythm was, was trying to overcome the church clappers. You know, you're trying to play in four, four and they're like, <laughs> like it's, you can, if you can play with uh, 200 offbeat clappers, uh, praising the Lord, you can, you can do just about I, I anything. Great, uh, I had some great success by teaching people 11, eight with this riff. <laughs> Man. Clapping, I said, stop. And then I started. 
Can't go wrong. Dude, you, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you know Tigran uh, Hamasian, right? Oh yeah. I think I'm saying right, that right. right. He's like yeah. Daryl. You got to check him out. He's a. Uh, that's yeah. Um, he does some wild shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's like. Uh, I don't know what where he's from, but it's like Middle Eastern inspired kind of uh, progressive, but it's like all piano. But then it sounds like Meshuggah. Like it sounds like yeah crazy. Yeah, his own thing going. For yeah, sure. Uh, it's it's uh, Armenian. He's Armenian. That's what it is. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know him, but I know he's got everybody. You know, a lot of people talking about him, and I know he's really good. Who's your? We, we've mentioned Rick Wakeman a few times, but who's your, like your favorite? You know, rock keyboardist or you know. Well, my my hero was Keith Emerson. Mm-hmm. Right, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. The first time I heard Tarkus, which celebrated its fifty-one year old anniversary the other day um but keith emerson meant the whole lot to me keith and rick and patrick moraz and certainly like john lord and carrie Muneer from gentle giant you know all all these guys were big big influences yeah uh i think patrick moraz is like the forgotten kind of overlooked guy in, in when it comes to yes because of the oh, yeah. shadow of but i love but i loved relayer i mean oh. he patrick was patrick was probably the main reason i got a minimo because of his solos Gates of Delirium, yeah. On the, but no, because of his solos on the Refugee album. Oh, okay. You know, Keith, when Keith Emerson left the Nice, Patrick joined those guys and made this album called Refugee, <clears throat> which the sol- the Minimoke solos are incredible. And the one that totally blew my mind and changed my life was this song, uh, Someday. It's a, it's a ballad song, but Patrick blows this Minimoke leap with the pitch wheel. It's just really amazing. I know... Uh... I remember um, watching some documentary about uh, how about yes some of the different things that they did in the studio, and they were talking about uh, going for the one, and how like he, wherever they were recording, like Rick went into some cathedral and there was like this you know giant I'm church a, organ, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? And yes. so Daryl, so this guy goes in and Rick Wakeman was like wearing capes and stuff, like just the man, you know, right, right. sequin capes platinum blonde hair just killing it yeah and he goes in and and hears this like church organ and he's like yeah uh i want to use that for awaken and they're like um well we can't like so they they like ran they like ran a line all the way to this building and recorded it off site and you hear Uh, the part and it's like it's just this massive undertaking and stuff like that i feel like now it's too it's a little too easy to just sample you know, and, and get, you can really dial it in, yeah. especially some of these engineers that really know what they're doing. Sure, um, sure. But the, the idea of being that kind of, I mean, Daryl, he's also famous for, he did like a, there was a Henry VIII on ice where he, oh, right. it was like a, it was like a, a concept album, keyboard driven music that they combined with a ice skating show. Like it's oh, geez, that's amazing. And also, of course, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Right. Now with the orchestra and his capes and all. He was, you know, he's, in, he's just a, he's a legend. He's a character. legend. Yeah, and no it's, doubt. And it's like yeah. anytime, even like when South Park like makes a reference to a keyboard player, it's like 
somebody in the cape with the multiple <laughs> stacks of keyboards, you know, like he's crossed yeah. over into the mainstream. Uh, yeah. but, but, uh, what's the best place for everybody to keep up with you, you know, keep an eye out on your solo shows. Well, yeah. And what's, Every, what, everything is on my website, jordanrudis.com. That's the best place. It'll lead you to my Instagram, which is very active and my Facebook, which is also uh, very active, but jordanrudis.com is your kind of hub for all the stuff. Yeah. All, all things wizardly, right? Yeah. And I will, I do want to do a shout out, uh, to my um, the big part of my visual world. This year I became an ambassador, that's my title, to a company called Lightrix that does amazing video and photo kind of application software. And all the videos I do, everything you see on my Instagram and everything you see on my Facebook is basically done, like with Video Leap or Photo Leap or Motion Leap, all these cool products that keep me inspired and let me just, you know, make videos and keep content pouring out, but make them, you know, with a visual kind of aesthetic in mind as well I, I hardly ever just put out a video without something that i think is trippy or cool or you know interesting going on in the visual sense and that's because of my you know in a big way because of the software that i've been involved with with light tricks so that's how you made that video where you turn into an alien huh there you go that's right yeah, i was wondering how you did that that However, was cool you know, yeah now the secret is out <laughs> the secret is out well jordan i'll tell you what man this has been an absolute pleasure um Thank you so much for sharing your Thank stories you. with our audience, and uh, just as a as a Dream Theater fan, this is this has been uh, cool and a, and a fan of yours uh, in and out of the band. This has been again check this one off the list. Um, I won't crush your hand next time. Yeah, I next, won't do it. I promise. <laughs> next time I'll, we, I'll, I'll leave you guys with a small tune. Some yeah. people know yeah. this is thirty seconds of it. And hit vibe. There you go. Jordan Rudess, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh my goodness.